Hi. Welcome to Pound and Cure Podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm Seth. And we're here pounding that cure. <laughs> That's not, probably, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not going to be the one. It's okay. Let's try again? Sure. Right. Hi. Welcome to Pound and Cure Podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm Seth. And we're here today to talk to you about public health. That's right. Um, so this is our first episode, sort of introductory. Um, going to tell you a little bit about ourselves. Seth, why don't you start us off? Sure. Um, well, my name is Seth, which I already said. <laughs> I said it too. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... <laughs> it's all right. This is all, all right. This yeah. is gold. This Roll is gold. It. Yeah. It's editable. Um, editable. Um, So yeah, my background um, is as an epidemiologist. Um, I have an MPH and I've worked... Master's in public health. Master's of public health. Good point. Um, And I've worked uh, mostly in infectious disease. I've worked um, on the research side. I've worked a little bit in uh, the Philadelphia Department of Public Health in the surveillance side. Um, And now I work in the private sector. And we're, yeah, and we're in public, we're in Philadelphia. I don't know if that, if we said that. I know we didn't say that, but I don't know if it matters. Yeah. But here we are in Philadelphia. Beautiful Philadelphia. West Philadelphia. West Philadelphia. Um, And I, my name's Jordan. I uh, am an MPH candidate, almost done with my degree. I'm a couple, uh, I'm in my last last semester coursework, working on my uh, capstone thesis type project and then I will be out um my public health background well my background is in science I'm I was I have a degree in biology studied chemistry as well um and then I did some volunteer work abroad went to Haiti after the earthquake went to uh, the Philippines after a natural disaster there got really interested in in infrastructure and um building health systems and that's kind of Mostly, like, what I think about and what my uh, experience is, but I'm also interested in a bunch of other stuff, as most public health people tend to be. Yeah. And, and, you know, not just global stuff for me, local stuff as well. I'd like to get involved at the uh, the city level, maybe, after after I finish school, so we'll see. What would you say is uh general definition of public health as a field? General definition of public health is, is tough to say, um... And I have trouble describing it to people sometimes, but it's just a sort of, I look at it as, you know, when you think of healthcare, you think of a doctor-patient relationship, sort of a one-on-one thing. Um, People go in with uh, some sort of an ailment, not all the time, but usually, and then the doctor will check them out, talk to them, and figure out what's going on and prescribe either medication or, you know, some lifestyle change or, or whatever or give them a diagnosis. And I public health is sort of uh, that, but on a much grander scale, on sort of a population level. Uh, that's how I think about it anyway. So you have all these things going on, all these systems at work in a, in a population, in a country, or even the world, and people, public health practitioners are, are sort of the, uh, the doctors and trying to see what the problems are, how to improve the systems that are at work, and uh, prolong life on a grander scale. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's a really good, 
good point that, you know, public health as opposed to, um, as opposed to traditional medicine, you know, um, is looking at improving the health of a population, which has a lot more factors going on than just an individual suffering from certain diseases or health problems. Um, and I think that that population perspective is really sort of crucial to, to public health. And I think the other thing, at least in my experience, um, was also looking at the background, not looking at the background, <laughs> looking at it from the perspective <laughs> of, you know, people that are lacking access to, pro- lacking access to health and healthcare resources and, you know, ways that that can be improved as opposed to just developing new medical advances or technologies and that it sort of has, you know, a type of social, I don't know what the word would be, not social justice, but, you know, has a perspective of, you know, helping to bring up the underserved and under people that don't have access to, you know, adequate resources. Right. And and public health is not a standalone field as a lot of these things are. I feel like public health is an incorporation of the doctor-patient relationship. It's that. And it's also um, taking into account social structures and, you know, what good is a doctor if nobody has health insurance or, you know, like it's putting everything together so that a healthier lifestyle is possible for the most people. Yeah, I think. So, you know, it includes, I think it does include, you know, traditional medicine, medicine practitioners, and then also, you know, policy and policymakers, um, you know, community, um, community educators and health education, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, some environmental environmental science and environmental issues as well. You know, there are lots of... Absolutely. Um, is there any other? Well, I think about it, health? you know, in my, inter, you know, international, mm-hmm. global health, yeah, global health, yeah, and development. Um, I think about it sort of like I think about the people that are in my program, and there are a lot of lawyers, you know, getting into policy and and law, um, and from a public health perspective, there are there are plenty of doctors that mm-hmm. want a public health perspective, a lot of social workers. Um, do the like the dual MPH MSW thing um and there are also a lot of hard scientists a lot of like chemists neuroscientists that kind of thing um and then uh you got your straight MPH students of course that can get into all kinds of different stuff um but it's like a really it's it's sort of a, a broad perspective to add to pretty much anything that you you any any sort of job that works with people I think is going to give you like a very um human pretty much a human rights perspective not it doesn't have to be that yeah but if you want it public health is a good route to go I mean maybe we'll inspire somebody to go to school for public health because it's pretty useful for sure and I think that's what I was sort of you know unable to really articulate but like you're saying you know I don't think just, like, studying cancer is necessarily public health. You know, right, would be, right. Would be, um, you know, looking at a population 
and seeing what effects cancer has on that population, you know, what is causing cancer in that population, and then also, like, what could be done in a way, you know, that would actually make people follow recommendations or make, you know, Mm -hmm. lifestyle changes or, you know. I mean, I think, you know, one other thing that I didn't mention before that, you know, I think differs a lot, at least from Western medicine, is, you know, the idea of prevention. You know, I think a lot of medicine is based on treatment um, and diagnosis, and I think, you know, the missing part of that equation is really prevention, and I think that's, you know, part of why our healthcare system is, you know, spends so much money compared to other developed countries is, you know, because there's just almost no focus on prevention that's all focusing on treatment, which is extremely expensive and resource intensive as opposed to, right. you know, figuring out ways to get people to change their lifestyle, which is usually, you know, a, a minor change. Um, right. That is something that a lot of people say about public health is that public health is proactive um, and medicine is more reactive. And yeah. it's it's moving towards a more proactive um, perspective, I think, which is great. But um, traditionally, it's it's been pretty much like someone goes in with symptoms and the doctor treats it rather than people being educated on how to live more healthy lives so as to avoid illness altogether when possible. Right, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, one thing I've seen and I think is sort of something that's been commonly discussed is like general practitioners are, you know, doing less and less and less when you go to see them for visits and it's, you know, almost encouraging people only to go to the doctor when they're sick or, you know, are concerned about something and the general practitioner is not really advising on ways to maintain good health. They're just sort of like the first line defense of like making sure there's nothing seriously wrong with you. And yeah, like, like when you start to die, we'll help stop Yeah, it. you know. We'll slow it down. And there's really no, I mean, they might say like ask you, you know, some basic lifestyle things, but, um, you know, I think there's this movement that they don't want them to like over screen. Um, and I think there's, it's, right. pre- it's pretty misguided in my opinion idea in medicine in general that like you know people are looking at unnecessary treatments and you know reasons that screening or testing is you know causing unnecessary harm but I think that's in my opinion you know that's the complete wrong wrong way to look at that you know I think it testing and screening could you know it, it could always be improved but I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with targeted testing and screening. I mean, there's always a cost associated with it, but I don't, you know, I don't think, you know, just because somebody is misdiagnosed or, you know, screened for something that didn't actually be a, you know, wasn't actually a problem or they had a procedure that was unnecessary. I don't think that means that the screening or the testing was, you know, that you shouldn't do that for anybody. It's just, I I mean, I think we should do an episode on screening. I think that would be a good topic because Maybe a lot of people don't realize that that it's kind of like a hot debate, you know, at least with particular diseases in mind. Yeah, I mean, generally with doctors, you know, they don't want to test for things that they can't treat or that they can't screen. I think that's sort of seen as unethical, but, you know, I don't know if, from a patient perspective, I don't know if that's necessarily true, you know. 
Yeah. It is debatable. We could... Let's, let's touch that. Yeah, let's not get too deep into it. But if you have any questions, <laughs> you can email us at poundofcurepodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have ideas for, uh, for topics, you know, we have plenty and there are an infinite amount, I would say, from small, like a single study that we could talk about to huge, like, uh, you know, sanitation around the world or something. So yeah. we'll get into some stuff. Today, we're going to get into just very generally... Um, what people are dying of today compared to 100 years ago, which is a kind of a good starting place for looking at public health today, I think. Yeah. So, uh, well, we're going to look at 1900 and 2010. So you got 110 year span, um, which is which is great. I think 2010 was the census year, right? Yeah. I think that's probably why. That... Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so you're going to see some very striking trends, and you probably, I think most people even not in public health world could probably guess these trends, but, so what were people dying of in 1900? What were, what were the, generally? I mean, generally the trend was, you know, many more people were dying from infectious or communicable diseases as opposed to chronic diseases. What's an example of one of those diseases? Pneumonia or influenza, which was the top cause of death, tuberculosis, gastrointestinal infections, um, STDs, which aren't on here, but before antibiotics, a lot of people have died from them. And a lot of famous founding fathers have died from STDs, as a side note. All right. Philadelphia. Syphilis, yeah. particularly. Um, yeah, so 1900, before the advent of a lot of uh, modern medications, uh, I, I don't remember when penicillin was really developed, but... I was thinking the same thing. You know, antibiotics saved a lot of lives. Is You'll hear a lot of people talk negatively about antibiotics, and there's, you know, a lot of negative stuff to maybe be said about them today, but they saved a lot of lives and cured plenty of people of, of these infectious diseases. Yeah, again, you know, just because they're overused and, you know, used improperly doesn't mean that they're bad drugs, I think. They're not fundamentally bad. Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're not, they're, antibiotics are mostly harvested from other bacteria as like a competitive, um, thing that they produce, which, so like, it's not like somebody just invented it. Right. It's it's a thing that exists in the world and like anything else, it's going to be abused probably. Yeah. And I, you know, there's also, I guess today we also have, you know, antivirals, um, and antifungals too, which are, yeah, you know, all, I was thinking with the, um, influenza in particular, (coughs) um, yeah, which have different Different success rates, but... Right. Anyway, um, so... And then today, you know, what are people people dying from mostly? It's very, very different. You don't see stuff like the infectious diseases like we used to see, which is which is great, you know? At least not in America or right. the West, the right. developed world. Yeah, this is this is the United States, we should say. Yes. Um, so the number one killer, I think, probably everyone knows, is heart disease and... Number two is cancer. So we're looking at 
chronic ailments, you know, things that are not, are not communicable. Um, they're basically, uh, they're things that, how do you, how do you categorize chronic disease? So they're things that are long lasting, right? Mm-hmm. And they, um, they're pro- progressive diseases that you kind of like just develop, um, in, endogenously, right? Yep. Yep. I think, you know, I think there's some debate, you know, how much of it is based on genetics versus environmental factors. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is another good topic we could talk about because I think there was mm-hmm. some really, really, um, I don't know what the word is. There have been some really strong conclusions that people have made, you know, pointing to both genetic causes and environmental causes that I think are both probably misleading <laughs> in the last couple of years. Yeah, and it's it's hard, you know, these diseases have a lot of a lot of factors. There are a lot of risk factors that can be anything from your genes to where you live to uh, what you yeah I mean heart disease you know one of the things that's not really captured in just looking at heart disease I mean heart disease and cancer both are really much more complicated than just like individual diseases like tuberculosis or something but you know I think these days you know the um, insane increase in type 2 diabetes you know is, mm-hmm. is a huge contributor to heart disease right which is you know diet and lifestyle absolutely based and that's not you know there are also people that have, you know, anatomically are born with, prob- you know, weak heart. Yeah. Weak hearts or, you know, have different mechanical issues. Or just have genetically, or gen- genetically predisposed to high blood pressure. And right, stuff like right, that. right. High cholesterol. Yeah, genes are a big role. Um, and what we were talking about earlier um, is that, you know, it's, we've made great improvements in public health in infectious disease in this country, right? And it seems like a lot of our efforts are being put into these chronic diseases, and it seems like, you know, people say that we're, as a, as a society, not, not doing that well, but, you know, they're putting a lot of money into it and a lot of resources, and, and we are trying to make strides, but it's more difficult than, you know, fighting infectious diseases but at the same time it's like you have to look at it like everybody's gonna die of something and on paper you know it seems like maybe well I don't know if I can say this correctly but it I think that we're making important strides but also not necessarily it's not it's not that easy to claim that. I don't know. Right. Well, and, what do you think? Help me out here. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, cancer, I've heard it described a lot of different ways. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, cancer is a disease of aging. And it's, right. you know, we require oxygen to live. And oxygen also, you know, is part of, you know, causes oxidative stress in our bodies, which eventually contributes to cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you live long enough, and I think you could probably make that argument as well that your heart, you know, is not able to, you know, your heart deteriorates over time. And, 
that, you know, has stress from just keeping you alive and pumping blood and you know it's bound to fail at some point too so right even if people are living 200 years you know that may or may not change as being you know the leading causes of of death i mean i think if you look at like preventable cancers or preventable heart disease or you know there may be there's probably more meaningful ways to look at this stuff and maybe even just thinking about it you know maybe even like preventable versus non-preventable diseases would be an interesting right Yeah, I think that was what I was trying to get at. It's like heart disease and cancer are just such terrible, scary things, and they are. But maybe it's it's a good sign that we're dying of these things because they're kind of, you know, built into the body. And you have to live a while to get them in a lot of cases. So, you know, it's just something to think about. So, yeah, the general shift, you know, has been from communicable diseases to chronic diseases and I think you know overall the rates of death from heart disease particularly and probably cancer too are probably much higher than they should be but again you know you have to adjust that for the fact that everybody is going to die of of something and we'll, we'll talk about you know these things more more individually in the future but the what we're trying to portray here is just kind of how public health or how health has changed and where public health focuses nowadays and chronic diseases in this country is a, is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of public health work goes into, uh, you know, helping those out and helping prevent them. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else interesting that you want to point out? Uh, did we get, did we get actual, uh, um, life expectancies for these? No, that's a good, that's a good point. Cause I'm sure people are living a lot longer, but I, we can't, we don't know offhand how, how much longer. Yeah. Um, what is life expectancy in this country now? Like 70? I think it's, it's a little, yeah, a little bit different. I think it's, it changes it for every generation, but I think for the... I think for the current generation, it's around 80 mm-hmm. for both. Um, it's a long time. But it's, you know, it's been increasing, and I think it's going to continue to increase. Yeah. I think it's... Which is interesting, and, you know... Yeah, one thing I definitely want to talk about is, like, resources put into, like, end-of-life care and palliative mm-hmm. care, and how that's another ethical debate that happens in public health. I heard an interesting Freakonomics podcast episode about that. But it's a, it's a really interesting topic. And it's also, you know, as, you know, evidence of that is that, um, you know, geriatrics and geriatric care in general is like a gigantically growing industry. And I actually yeah. heard in a completely unrelated non-public health, um, it was in a book about investing in personal finance that some top investors were really highly recommending investing in like nursing homes and geriatric care because that is going to be a booming industry for a long time which you know i am seems like really i'm taking kind notes of right now <laughs> to think about it like that but i think you know it's you well know, I, that just goes to show that there is like a crazy and like skewed amount of money going into that that type of yeah of healthcare, and that's to be you know it, it, you cross, you know, some difficult 
lines, I think, talking about how, whether or not that's necessary and, you know, whether people should be kept alive. Right. You know. Yeah, we should, we should definitely talk about that one day. Because you definitely don't, you know, a lot of people in the really old ages are not, wouldn't be able to survive without right. medical Absolutely. care, medical technologies. And I just think, you know, off the top of my head, like pacemakers and, mm-hmm. um, just like even physical stuff, like knee and hip replacements right, allow right. people to be mobile and live live yeah. their lives yeah. um but yeah so we didn't mention where we got our name so pound of cure it comes from an old uh i don't know how old but an adage right mm-hmm. that's uh a pound of cure is worth no no sorry <laughs> <laughs> an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure right so Public health is all about prevention. So at the end of each episode, we're going to offer you a little tidbit, a little ounce of prevention. Each of us, you know, it's our own opinions. We can differ. And it's, they're going to represent things that we think that, you know, small change could potentially produce big results. Yeah. Big results in preventing public health. Crises. Issues, yeah. <laughs> so, this one's a little tough, I guess. Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe starting from the next episode on. Cause I well, don't... we have to... We can't break tradition all right, yet. All right. So, what is your ounce of prevention? <laughs> for not dying? <laughs> or for, for not public di- health? For not dying in 1900? <laughs> for, for introducing public health. You could even... Um... I guess, you know, I think just like looking at things on a population level and how you can prevent negative health outcomes before having to treat or deal with the repercussions. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I roped you into that. (laughs) Uh, My ounce of prevention is listen to the next episode. Oh, clever. Yeah, (laughs) I guess. All right, Pound of Cure Podcast at gmail.com. Till next time. <laughs>